0: There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Tevin Furtado. Today we have Coach Michael Williams. this This is episode 224. I'm so excited to have Michael Williams. He's founder, agent, speaker at Williams Advancement Agency. Michael Williams has spent over 11 years as a collegiate coach and many more years coaching middle school and high school basketball. Mr. Williams' professional experience included three head coaching positions and now serving at a Division I program as the Director of Player Development, Coaches Consultant. Throughout Mr. Williams' coaching career, he has learned from successful coaches, athletic directors, administrators, and hiring search firms who provided invaluable insight into the world of athletics. Michael was inspired to start WAA to help coaches fulfill their dreams of securing a coaching position. But his mission is to lead these coaches to a successful career. He's committed to providing the appropriate resources for his clients before their interview and once they are in their desired position. Mr. Williams is excited to begin leading clients to success with Williams Advancement Agency. I'm so excited uh, to talk with Mike, and I know Mike uh, from my uh, coaching days. <laughs> uh, actually, a couple of years ago, we were. Um, We're coaching counterparts and so forth. What a great job he did um, coaching at the high school level out here in Georgia. And I'm so excited about his new opportunity, his new challenge. And he's going to talk to us about how he is helping coaches enter the coaching profession. This is a great, great podcast. So coaches, welcome Coach Michael Williams. Coaches, welcome to uh, Championship Vision Podcast. I'm so excited to have Coach Michael Williams with us. This is episode 224, Coach. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing this a while, (laughs) so it's it gets better and better, man. I got Michael Williams on here. Uh, He's the founder of the Williams Advancement Agency, Um, and basically, Mike's going to go into this in a second here, but he's helping out coaches. He's helping out coaches whether you're trying to go from high school to college or college up to the higher ranks maybe because I know you have some junior college guys and women that are trying to get up to the, maybe the D2, uh, Division I level. Before we get into that, Coach, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into coaching, and why the transformation now on what you're doing to help out
1: coaches? Uh, so, yeah, I've been coaching for a long time. I actually started out coaching middle school boys. Um, I was fortunate enough, I went to Long Island University, Uh, I was under Tom Galizzi, who passed away, Um, and then they had a new coach come in, uh, Tim Clues, who was was formerly at Iona. Um, I wasn't the best player, I'll tell you that right now, I was just the hardest (laughs) worker, I couldn't, I was not athletic, more or less, I was more of a defensive-minded coach, defensive-minded player, good passer, penetrator, but I couldn't shoot, honestly. Now, it's so funny, now that I'm a coach now, I'm a a good shooter, but as a player, (laughs) I wasn't. Uh, but That's I got good. my first, my first time coaching was middle school boys. It was the Plainview Panthers out in Long Island, New York City. I fell in love. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, from there, I got an opportunity to coach an upcoming startup program, El Puente. It was the AAU. They don't even exist anymore. Um, and that was just from the ground up. Uh, bring, get, get young, young high school boys, middle school boys into the gym and start a program. And then we end up getting a woman, a girl's program from there. So that kind of gave me my foundation of how to rebuild a program. Um, then I I got my, after I spent two years there, I, I got a chance to work at John Jay College of Criminal Justice um, from under Diane Ramirez. And she was awesome. Like she taught me a lot of the X's and O's and just to like, the especially the offensive side like I thought I like knew offense but not until I spoke to her and Diane Ramirez was a great mentor teaching me like the X's and O's and how to approach the game but then I was also fortunate enough she gave me the green light just to put my fingerprint on that program she was like hey I don't really like to recruit so I'm gonna leave that up to you and that's where I really got my recruiting start just bringing players in um, John Jay the time before I got there was the second worst team in the conference my first year we, I got there in 2010. My first year, we made it to the conference playoffs and got out of the first round of conference playoffs. Last time that happened was in the late 90s. So it was a big gap. I spent two years there. We were the always the fourth to fifth best team in the conference during my time there. And then Mark Mitchell, who I'm working for now at St. Peter's, uh, he gave me an opportunity at Fairleigh Dickinson University, Madison, the Florham campus, which was a great opportunity. And once again, he kind of was like, hey, Here's what I need you to do. This is what I need you to do. He was hard on me. He gave me a lot of tough love, and he's awesome. Um, he's, he's honestly one of the greatest coaches that I met, and he's going to be a superstar um, in the future, and he's already great at what he does now. Um, but he's really shown me how to, like, hone in this coaching, how to motivate players, how to get the best out of players, how to become a better recruiter and just focus on the small things. I think I was missing that when I got to when I was at John Jay, but then when I got to Mark Mitchell, he kind of honed that all in. Um, but I was fortunate enough. My first year there, we go 33 and 0, win a national championship. I won two conference championships. Uh, for me, it was my goal to be a head coach by the time I was 30 years old, and I got that opportunity at Pratt Institute. Great. It was a it was a great opportunity, for especially learning a learning opportunity for me at Pratt. Um, once again, they it's, I have a lot of similarities taking over bad programs. So Pratt was uh, before I got there. They hadn't they haven't won any games. They were in the conference for I believe four years and they have a dug, uh, Hudson Valley Conference and haven't won one game. My first year there we go 500 make it to the playoffs first time in school history we also had the first rookie of the year first time in school history and we had three all conference players. Spent a the year there kind of get poached to go to Simmons University out in Boston Massachusetts another great learning opportunity for me and I really learned more on the administrative side of things at, at Simmons University. But similar situation, took over a bad program. First year there, we made it to the playoffs. Last time they made it to the playoffs was around, what was it, 2004, if I'm not corrected, under – Tony Price, uh, the former coach, at the coach after Tony Tony Price, unfortunately didn't do a great job, but it was really a rebuilding situation, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Unfortunately Simmons University did a $20 million budget cut because enrollment was down, retention was down, and that's kind of what happens at the small division three levels now. Um, And then I was at, then I went to City College of New York, a very good program, very great school. Um, The former coach, Jamie, he decided to step down uh, he's been all over. Jamie coached, you know, overseas, Division One, UCLA. Um, he just felt like it was a time for him to step down, and I took over to the program. Um, my first year there, we make it to the playoffs, so we kept that program going. And then me and Mark, Mark Mitchell, at St. Peter's had a conversation, and I was, it was just a no-brainer to join his staff. Um, then where when we talk about Williams Advancement Agency, where I decided to to really start this was I actually helped a former coach friend of mine get a job. At Benjamin Franklin Institute before. And then I've been helping a lot of other coaches help navigate the industry because I always say the college industry is hard. It's all about who you know. It's also like a a Fortune 500 company. It's like if you don't know the right people, you're not getting in the door, unfortunately. Uh, For me, and I was like, hey, I need to do this. And now I actually see myself going to more of the administrative side of things. My goal is to be an athletic director or even a commissioner one day. So that's kind of how it goes. I, I see myself leaving basketball as much as I like it to really focus on the administrative side. Cause I realized you have a lot more, you can do impact a lot more lives from students and not just students, coaches. Like you see a lot of young coaches that need mentors. You can really impact them if you have a seat at the, the table. And that's whether you're an athletic director or commissioner. And that's kind of my story.
0: Yeah. I love it. You've had a lot of experience on that. It's really interesting how uh, you've been in a lot of rebuilding jobs. It seems mm-hmm. like. Yes. And, um, don't you learn more than rather than going into a great program? I think you probably learn all the details on the grind and what it takes to build a program from the ground up. You mentioned Jamie Angeli. I have it. I had him on a podcast. I love Jamie. Talk yeah, about awesome. a
1: brilliant coach. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about him. Uh, he's uh, so funny. He's a teddy bear. So I, 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 it's so funny. So I met Jamie a few times. So, to, to make a long story short, I met him when I was at John Jay. And then we, we met again at, when I was at Fairleigh Dickinson. And then we always went to the WBCA conferences and stuff like that. And I didn't realize how sweet of a nice person he is until I started working with him. Because now Jamie is the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing at City College in New York. So I kind of got to take over his program. And he kind of laid the foundation for City College. Every year he's, he's been in that program, they made it to the conference playoffs they made it to the second round of conference play. So unfortunately, he hasn't got over the hump of winning championship. But he's always been a competitive coach at City College in New York and even in the CUNY conference. He's a great coach. He knows his X's and O's. He knows how to help players score. So, Jamie's awesome. And then now, like I said, he's really doing the marketing side, helping, like, he did a great golf outing this past season. Um, so, Jamie's awesome. Um, and then, you know, I didn't even know he worked at UCLA, got to learn that he worked really at UCLA. Um, he also was, he had coached overseas. So like, he's well-versed. And if I always tell any coaches pick his brain, cause he knows his stuff.
0: Mike, tell me about, um, and we talked a little bit about this earlier off the air a little bit about if you were a head coach, are you, tell me how you would recruit your staff? Because I, I, I see things all the time about building staffs. I mean, what kind of people do you look for when building your staff? Because it's not all about guys just winning state championships or they have a
1: great resume. There's more to it than that. Right. Absolutely. So I'm a little different though. I'll tell you this. When I'm, when I'm hiring my staff, I'm a little bit out the box. I always tell everybody that. Right. Um, I, and I, and I say this all the time. I, I kind of don't like the coaching industry of how hiring practices are, are, especially for people who are trying to get in the door. Right. It's all about who, you know, if I don't know you, you don't have a chance. Right. Which is unfair. And I'm and like I said, I've been fortunate enough that I didn't really know Diane Ramirez. I didn't know I knew Mark Mitchell from recruiting. Him and I, when I was at John Jay College, we were going after a lot of the same kids. We will sit at these AAU events at these showcases and we'll just and he realized like, man, he's just on his grind. And one thing Mark told me, he was like the biggest thing that I saw was you weren't a coach on his on their phone. You'll see so many college coaches when they go to these AAU events or recruiting events they're on their phone and for me, I was laser focused. I was like, hey, I'm here to rebuild John Jay Jay College. And then when he had an opening on his his staff, he gave me a shot, he interviewed me, walked me around like I was a recruit and he was like, hey, this is great. Um, But for me, it's all about, one, I was telling, I don't want anybody who wants to be an assistant for the rest of their lives. So I always say that. If you wanna be an assistant, I don't wanna hire you because you're just gonna be comfortable where you're at. So that's the one thing I look for, I wanna make sure you want to be whether you might want to be an adobo, you might want to move up, but I just don't want you to say, "Hey, I want to be a D3 assistant or JUCO assistant, Division One assistant all my life," because that's not going to help you. That's not going to help the program. Yeah, we get a chance to familiarize ourselves, the players get to know you, but I want I want my staff to want more. I think that's the biggest number one. Number two, I want you to help me pick up things that I might be missing. So we look at Tracy. Uh, When I was at Tracy Klingensmith, when I was at Simmons University, she was awesome, right? She was a people person. I'm a people person. But she took it to another level. So and then the great thing about her was she also worked in the career career side. So it was like, wow, you can help our players get internships. You can help our players get jobs. So for me, it's about how can you pick up the things that I'm missing? Like, I don't want yes coaches. I always tell everybody, if you're a yes coach, you're not going to. I need you to let me know when I mess up. And I, had, and I want you to hold me accountable because I want to hold you accountable. And then I'm going to hold my players accountable. And I want, I want my staff to be able to show, show the players, hey, we got coach. He's he's doing what he needs to do. And don't, you know, don't do it and, you know, embarrass or, you know, take advantage. But like, hey, coach, you missed this. And I'll be like, hey, first person say, my bad. That's my fault. We're going to fix it. And I think that's the biggest thing. When it comes to interview, I'm really different. So Tracy, uh, Tracy Klingensmith, I actually interviewed her during an open, open gym initially. <laughs> I but she came to an open gym at Simmons University and I literally just watched her, how she interacted with people. Cause I think you can't be a good coach if you can't interact with random people. And it was like different coaches, volleyball coaches, a whole bunch of different coaches in the gym, just playing pickup ball in the afternoon. And I literally went on top of the track and just watched her. See how she interacted, how she didn't, how would she deal with people she doesn't know? Because as a recruiter, you're gonna to have to go out to random players, random parents, and just start random conversations. So then, once I realized, all right, you're a people person, you're gonna be able to talk to a lot of people, make friends quickly, and just get people to build that relationship with, then I had to sit down and interview with her. Figured out, hey, what are you good at? What are you bad at? How can I help you? And I think that's the biggest thing that I did just figure out, hey, this is what she's good at. Here's where I might be lacking as a coach, but she's gonna pick up those pieces. So I think that's the biggest thing. So if you're building your staff, don't get staff that's going to get the B.S. coaches. Don't get staff that you guys think exactly the same, exactly the same. And like Tracy, she was so fundamental and I'm fundamental, but she's at another level, right? She was always like jump, stop, jump, stop, jump, stop. You know what I mean? Follow through, uh, ball reversals. Like, and I'll be very honest, all my time as a head coach until she got on my staff, I never thought about ball reversals. And now, <laughs> right. and now that I'm working with Coach Mitchell, I'm talking about ball reversals all the time. So, yesterday we played Kinesis um, and like we're we score a lot, but I'm like, hey, we can become a better scorer. And yesterday we had 27 ball reversals. So, right now that was our season high. And so far this season with 27 ball reversals. So, I'm like, we're like, hey, we can get 50 ball reversals in in a game. That would be awesome. And that's all due to Coach Tracy. She helped me pick up something that I didn't know. So, I always tell everybody pick up stuff and get your staff help you where you're weaker at. Don't get coaches that are offensive-minded just like you and you guys think the same. That's not going to help you. Get coaches, get assistant coaches who want to challenge you respectfully. And then from there, that's going to help everything. And then also get coaches who want to grow. I think if you don't have coaches that want to grow, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt your program. It's going to stag, stagnate, you, stagnate you. Like good example, uh, my, my, one of my former assistants, Ashley Yee, who's now at Dominican, um, who's also a client of mine, when she told me first time I interviewed her, she said, I want to be a head coach. I said, I love it. And, and I cannot tell you how many people I interviewed before her. And she knew her stuff. Like, she knew her stuff. She knew about CCNY. She knew what she wanted to do. So when she got on my staff, like, I, I was like, hey, time out. Coach Ashley, go talk to them. Like, sit in the big boy chair, the big woman's chair, and talk to them, give them the opportunity. And that's the only reason why that happened, because she wanted that opportunity. So I think that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, I love the insight, Coach. I really appreciate that. And I, I want to present you a scenario. Coach K is all about um, he hires his former players. And I know we all can not do that. Yeah. I have a former player of mine because I'm getting old, Mike. So, I mean, I have a <laughs> former player of mine that, she and I coach girls basketball, and she's great. She knows me. I think that's underrated. Do most coaches try to do that because we're all – we're, we're all kind of insulated kind of in our own ideas. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that good or bad?
1: It, 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 goes, it can go either way. I say everybody, right? So I actually hired one of my former players, Molly Phillips, right? She played for me at Simmons University, 5'11 guard forward. She was a stud, had an opportunity to try out for an overseas team. Um, great, great, great coach, right? Great player development coach. Um, so I always tell everybody, one, don't hire them because you have a great relationship with them. So if you're going to hire one of your former players, make sure they can add benefit to your program. Sure. And I think that's the biggest thing. If if your former player is going to add benefit to your program, that's going to be awesome, right? Uh, Molly is a great player development. She's also like a strength and conditioning coach. She's also a personal trainer. So I know, hey, Molly, take the girls to the weight room. Get them stronger. Hey, uh, Riley's having bad knee issues. Can we do some strength training with her? And then on the court, she's a monster. When she was playing for me, She'll tell like players like Kira and other players like, hey, let's go to the gym. Let's pit up shots. After we pit up shots, we gotta go lift. So um, it's all about can your former players bring value to your program. But the one other thing I will say is, don't hire like if it's college, if it's college, and she just graduated, give her a year off. Like don't bring her back that exact same year because she's too close to the players. Sure. And you need that. You need that separation. You need that. She even though she can be close to the players. She needs to understand I am no longer a player. I can't go party with them. I can't hang out with them. And I am a coach. So I think if it's, if it's a former player coming down to high school and she's been to college, that's perfect. As long as she can bring value to you. And if she's a college, a college player who just graduated, I always say give her a year. Or even help her get an assistant job somewhere else and then have her come back to you.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Coach. And I, I want you now
1: to... I'm sorry, of- one second. My yes. that I didn't realize my computer's at 1%. Can we pause it real quick? Sure. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Mike, I really appreciate what you were saying about kind of knowing. And, you know, I, I agree. I, I think sometimes having people that are close to you is good. But don't you want – would you hire – this is my next question is, um, I think – I know contacts are important. I would – and I'm not a college coach – I would hire people that are smarter than me. Absolutely. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because if I'm not a very good defensive coach, I'm going to hire guys or, or women, whatever, that are going to be smarter
1: than me. Is, is that a problem? No, that's not a problem. I think that's awesome. Um, I'll use my other assistant coach. Like I said, I've been doing this all, all the time. I always fire, hire somebody who's the next level up or who, who's, who might be similar defensive-minded but thinks a little bit different. So I think that's awesome. I... A former assistant coach Ennis, who's now the interim head coach at City College of New York, he's a defensive-minded coach. Like super, like he thinks offense, but he's the only thinking defense. He's always like, "Hey, let's try a one-three-one. Let's try a one-two-two. Two. Let's try this, right?" And I'm more of like a man-to-man, maybe, and uh, a matchup two-three zone. Like that's my go-to. Um, kind of like Syracuse, right? <laughs> they play that zone <laughs> matchup zone, and I love that or a man-to-man. But he's like, "Hey, why don't we try a one 2 And he made me better. Like, there are certain games we won because we, did, we had our 1-3-1. One, one. And maybe we didn't play in it for all game, but we, bit, we did it in spurts. And I think that helps, which is so funny I'm talking about that because yesterday against Kinesis, we, we threw in a 1-3-1 for about five minutes and it messed them up. And it's all those little things. It doesn't have to be consistent. So it is important to hire people who are smarter than you and then that challenge you. I think that's really important. So you hit that right on the nose.
0: Yeah, of course, at the high school level, we can't do that. We take whoever we get. I mean, it's a lot different, Mike. So it
1: sounds good, but the big. Well, school. no, I think I think at the high school level, there are there there is a chance. Obviously, it's a little bit more difficult. But I met I met some great high school coaches who are like, "Hey, I I just want to coach," or you know, right. what I mean, um, or even young like there's, and I always say this: age doesn't always make you smart. You right. know what I mean? So you can might find a kid who might have played at the college level who's trying to. He or she's trying to get her smart, her, her, her foot in the door, and get her make her bones. She might be smart and learn something from her college that she can help your program with, or he can help your program with. So, take it from that, too. That's a great point, too, because there, hey, there's a lot of smart
0: people out there. Sometimes we forget, even as high school coaches, there's people on our campus that can help our program. Absolutely. Hey, take one of your guys, Xavier uh, Sherna, make sure I say that correctly. He's one of your clients. Yes. What are you doing with him now? Give our audience of high school coaches a, a kind of an example of how you're trying to, you know, get him uh, the next position.
1: So Xavier is awesome, right? Xavier is going to be a star. He had, he had a chance to play overseas. He was an assistant. At, he played at Jamestown. Then he played overseas. Then he, he actually was an assistant, and now he's the head coach. He had the instrument, and now he's the head coach. Uh, for me, James um, – Xavier is good right now, right? So Xavier is, is a great client because he's not in a rush to leave. He has a great, a great situation there as the head coach. He also works in in resident life as well. Um, so his goal is, Michael, I want to make sure you help me check off all the boxes I need so when it's re- when I'm ready to, to leave, I can do that. So right now we're working on our alumni engagement, right? Because most schools, especially juco's, aren't playing. They might be practicing, but they're not playing. So I said, hey. Let's work on your alumni engagement, because that's, that's big. A lot of these interviews I've been on, they always ask and you talk to ADs, they're like, hey, what have you done for alumni? So we wanna make sure Xavier is hitting on, touching on alumni engagement. We also wanna make sure he's doing fundraising. So for me, I'm just making sure he, holding him accountable for recruiting, for alumni engagement, from, uh, from fundraising, from every aspect that is asked in the hiring process. Then the, th- the second part of that is making sure he's networking with the right people, getting his face. And it's not always like, I always tell it right, It's not about who you know, it's about who knows you now because you can know a lot of people and I know a lot of people, but do they always know me? No. And that's just what it is. So it's about how can you make sure these people get to know you? So what I have done was make sure Xavier and my other clients got a chance to sit in front of a search, a hiring, a search firm, because search firm are big, especially at the division one level. A lot of these big, you know, power five schools are really going through a search firm or an agent. So now if Xavier's name is on that search firm list, they might give him a call. Or they might just say, hey, we got a guy, and tell the AD, hey, we got a guy, he's at of JUCO, you should take a look at him." Same thing with athletic directors. We're making sure Xavier understands, like, who are the athletic directors, here's how you connect with them, and here's how you get better. And that's the biggest thing. And then obviously we help with the resume, the cover letter, the networking and all that other stuff, um, you know, the marketing piece of it. Um, an athletic director said this to me, he said, I wanna make sure I can hire somebody who is marketable. Not just for me, but remember, I gotta sell the, that person I'm hiring to my president, to my vice president. And then I also need to make sure that person is marketable to recruit. Can will, will parents see him or her and be like, hey, I'm gonna send my child to that school. So we're making sure that Xavier is marketable we're making sure he's connecting with the right people and we're making sure he's checking off all the check boxes to be successful when he's ready to move on. And I think that's the biggest thing. And then once he gets an interview, we help him with the whole interview prep.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking to him on that. I think it's really an interesting topic. Um, if you had to pick one thing about uh Kocherna is what is one specialty that you see that he presents, um, you know, for, for his, for his college, for his, the interviews that he's doing, what's a, what's a great specialty? What's something he, he does really well?
1: He he is locked in. Like, he is locked in. And I always say this, like, he's going to be a star. He's locked into his program. He's invested into his players. He's actually invested into the campus. Like, you see a lot of coaches where they're only invested into their program. But Xavier's invested into to his program, the school, his players, their families, he's invested. And he just – and and he has a – a love for it because he played there. And I think that's even more special. He played there, so he wants he wants that program to do well. Then he also wants the players who play for him to get an opportunity to play at the division two, division one, division three. He wants them to move on. He wants to see them come back and talk to his players. So I think that's the biggest thing. He's so locked into the success of the school in a whole, not just as an athletic program and a basketball program. And that's big. He's making, and I always say this, make the school you're at. You're your, your Duke. You know what I mean? Like, make that your Duke. Before you even think about it, and that's the great thing. Coach Xavier is like, I'm not ready to leave. He, he knows he has work to do there. And once he gets that work done, and a few years later, then when he's ready to leave, him and I will have that conversation, but he's all set right now, he's making Jamestown Community College the Duke, the Kentucky. And that's what every coach has to do. Stop thinking about your next job. Focus on making where you're at big time. And he's doing that.
0: Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the insight there, Mike. Hey, if our system of athletic directors was so good, you would not have a job. So you're doing this for a reason. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not stupid. Okay, uh, so what are some of the problems? Basically, what are the problems on the hiring process? Do we just go with the, the, the guy or, or, or woman that's well-known that's played Division I? What are some of the issues that you have to address with your clients that these ADs are looking for?
1: I think one, does the AD know you, right? It's all, like I said, it's all about who knows you. might not be about you knowing them, but who knows you, right? So the big thing is making sure all my clients are connected with as many athletic directors, as many administrators, assistant athletic directors, SWAs, vice presidents, and even presidents. Like you're connected with them, then when those jobs open up, Those people can be like, hey, let me give Xavier, let me give Colin, let me give Terry, let me give Ashley or Ashley White an opportunity to interview, right? Um, I'll give you you a good example. I won't name the school, but I I end up getting the job. So you can look at one of the schools, but I end up getting the job. uh, But after I got hired, the athletic director said 300 people applied for the job. She only interviewed five.
0: Hmm.
1: And she only pulled 10 resumes. And that's just the issue right there. And I'm not saying that happens everywhere, but that happens a lot of places. Right. They're hiring people they know. Um, and the big thing that AD said was, I, I watched you when you won the national championship. So she knew me before I even applied. And then when she saw my name, she was like, oh, got to gotta, gotta interview, interview Michael Williams. But that's the biggest thing. They're only, and not, only, not everybody, but a lot of these athletic departments are only hiring people they know or they're hiring, so if you don't know them, who's gonna vouch for you? And the biggest thing a lot of ADs tell me is, don't have every random person call for you. That's the, uh, that will hurt you, right? So right. you have to be extremely strategic in figuring out who's going to call that AD or SWA, whoever's on that hiring committee for you, right? So, if, and I always say, find out who knows that AD. who knows, Who knows him, who knows her, figure out. And then from there, make a conscious decision of who's going to actually call for you. And then once somebody calls for you, then you just need your foot in the door. And then from there, you have to kill the interview. That's your job to know fully everything about the school. Um, and I think that's the biggest issue. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people are hiring, I mean, applying for jobs. And a lot of times they kind of know who they want to interview. Um, or especially at the Division One level, I'll tell you this right now, you see a lot of D1 jobs posted. They're only posted just to be posted. They kind of know who they're hiring already. Unless it's like somebody who, you know, she, he or she just got a random shot and she doesn't know the area well, then that's kind of different. Like if I'm from New York City and then I'm going to Seattle and I don't know anybody in Seattle and I don't have anybody I know who wants to go with me, then that's different. But there are a lot of times they already have their, their, per, their person that they're looking for hired or they have about five candidates they're already looking for. So you really got to do your work ahead of time before that job even opens up. And that's kind of what WAA and a lot of other agencies do. They make sure they're doing the work for their clients and their clients are doing the work before that job opens up.
0: And give us kind of a breakdown, Michael, on uh, what you're exactly doing for all the clients. I have a list of things that I see here that what you're doing. um, You mentioned a great point. Man, somebody's always watching. Even even us high school coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're looking to go up to a higher level, Man, you always do a great job. Practice games, show class, programs run right. Do it all the time, right? Not when you feel like it. Yes. So. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, head master trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Rotaldo is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. The clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics, lecture-style via Zoom cast and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their
2: lives. Hey, coaches, this is Nick Bartlett, Marketing Manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball, and we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com, give us a call, or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media channels at Dr. Dish B-ball.
1: But Right now, I think the biggest thing is making sure one Every client is getting their needs, right? Every client is different, right? Colin, Colin Wright is different from Xavier, right? Xavier is different from Terry. Terry's is different from Ashley. So everybody needs different needs, right? Uh, use exactly Ashley for an example. Ashley Yee, who's now at Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an assistant coach there. She was an assistant for me at one point. Um, now it's kind of making sure she's getting everything she needs as an assistant. Her goal is three to four years to be a head coach. So now we want to make sure she's getting all that professional development not just on the basketball side but also on the administrative side and that was one reason why i remember when that a dominican job opened up i said hey you need to apply for this because it also came with an administrative role in it and a lot of these d3s some d2s and then JUCO jobs have an administrative role attached to it so if you're a coach who just knows how to coach that's not going to help you so the big thing is making sure all of our clients get some administrative experience get professional development experience. And I always tell everybody this, the COVID messed everything up, right? But there was a lot of collateral beauty in it, right? You had a lot of time to stay with your family, sure. get to go re-know your wife, re-know your girlfriend, re-know your kids, and also work on yourself. Yeah. So the big thing is we wanted to make sure all of our clients, if they end up interviewing during that time of COVID, when somebody asks, hey, how have you made yourself better during COVID? So we made, <clears throat> we made a lot of our clients take professional development classes certifications marketing classes right because you're that your basketball program is your is is your business right so how can you market your basketball program so all of our clients took marketing classes it was free <laughs> and you know i mean there's tons of free classes out there that gives you a certification even analytics we see how big analytics is in the nba trickling down to college and it's, it's actually in in the enrollment size at the side, like from retention and all that other stuff. So we had our clients take analytic classes so they can better understand analytics so they can communicate that. So we're making sure that our clients are, are relevant and up to date on every trend before they become like super popular at the JUCO level. Cause not too many people think about analytics at the JUCO. Not, and I don't think too many coaches, I know one coach who really is a big analytics at the division three and that's Ryan from John Jay college, the men's side. He's super analytical and he, he's, he's checking it but you don't see that, but it's trickling down. So we wanna make sure our clients get that. So I think that's really important, making sure they stay on top of the the hiring trends and they're constantly professional development, whether it's administrative, coaching, or even outside of that, because everybody has tangible skills that help. And that's the biggest thing.
0: Hey, you mentioned about free professional development. I'd like to get a list of that. So
1: Uh, so I'll tell you this, Google has a lot of great ones. Yeah, yeah, Uh, absolutely. yeah. So if you go on Google and you just pick uh, Google free certifications, there's tons of them from marketing, from analytics. Um, they even have, um, working, like they had everything from hiring interviewing like Google is awesome and I love Google. Um, then you have courses. So there's tons of free ones. And now I know a lot of States right now because of the pandemic is offering free classes. Um, like I know Florida is offering a free certification on, um, group management so if you want to if you want to manage a group they offer a certification on that so that's awesome that's and, I can, and I can send you more lists a more of a bigger list after this I just can't think of everyone on the top of my head
0: yeah please share that with me, Mike yeah. that'd be great hey let's get in kind of to the next area of what we talked about before about being a better recruiter And I think our high school coaches this is important information because I have a girl this year Mike that is playing for University of Tennessee Chattanooga she's a senior now, she she's a great player on that. So maybe we shouldn't talk about players. No, but and then I have some more coming up. But um, how can what's the key to recruiting, man? I mean, because I have a kid that I think can play at the D one level, but she's a little smaller, but she's really strong. Um, but maybe she's a Division three or Division. Mm-hmm
1: what 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 goes on in your coach's mind so i think i think even if i'm a high school coach and even a player the first thing is right fit for me mm-hmm. right don't chase the big names don't chase because all my friends are going there don't chase hey or if i'm a coach hey i need my my players to go d1 so it speaks volumes to me figure out what's the best fit for each individual player not every player is a division 1 player not every player sure. is a division 2 and not every player is a Division three. Some have to go JUCO to develop. So the biggest thing is making sure each player has the right fit, right? And so if I'm a coach, I want to make sure they're the right fit. I'll use a, a, another – I like examples, and I have a lot of stories. Um, Danielle owego she played for us at Fairleigh Dickinson University. She, uh, she went to Curtis High School in Staten Island. She had a few D2 offers. She voided going to Division two to go to a D3. Mm -hmm. And she said, one, I know if I go, I can go to D2, get a scholarship, and I probably will play. I might not be a main player, but I also want to win. So she said, I'm going to go to Fairleigh Dickinson. She was a main player off the bench. I believe she was averaging like 25, 26 minutes per game. She won two conference championships, competed at the NCAA level. And that's awesome. Or we use another girl at Fairleigh Dickinson, Alyssa, Alyssa McDonough. She only lost, I believe, three games in her career. She's a five-nine guard, point guard at that. So she could have played at Division Division two, maybe low mid-major D one. But she said, "I want to play," like I want to play. And I think a lot of people need to understand. I understand people go D one because they need the scholarship money. They go D two because they need the scholarship money. What I have found out, you can get your school paid for without an athletic scholarship. There are tons of scholarships that parents, high school coaches, even I use. So when I was at Simmons i actually google I actually bought the book, so there's a scholarship book you can get on Google I um, mean Amazon Bar, I don't think Barnes and Novas exist anymore, but you can get it on Amazon sure. um, google like a, a, the book for scholarships, and they'll right. give you millions of scholarships for international students for everything and so we used to at Simmons, I used to just type it all up and send it to our players, and then the players had to do the work. Some of them required you to write an essay, some ask for your transcript, and I remember we had girls who got their books paid for. We had players who got 5,000 scholarships. And I didn't give it to them, I just gave them the resource to help them get it. So I think that's the biggest thing. If you're worried about money, one, figure out how's another way I can get money, but also go to the school that's a right fit for me. I think that's number one. So then now if I'm a college coach, one, I wanna see who you are as a person, right? Because if I'm looking at you, I feel like you can play, right? And then if I am looking at you in, in, in a deeper meaning where I'm having conversations with you, It means I also think you're the right, you're a good fit for our program as a whole. And we use Mark Mitchell, for example, because I'm working for him right now. He's all his big motto, hashtag is as one. Everything is as one. We win as one, we lose as one, and we have to have collective responsibility. He's awesome, right? And we won. I remember we won, and he was like, everybody should be excited if we won. Even if you played five minutes, you played two minutes. Everybody's excited because this is not just. The um, Dre, Kondreya, when she had 19 points, it's not her win because she had 19 points. Everybody helped out and that's the biggest thing. So as a coach, we wanna make sure the, the players we're recruiting fit into our program. And I think obviously you'll get coaches who just recruit and recruit, but the great coaches, look at Coach K, everybody. Like they get players who fit into their program. And I think that's the biggest thing. So if I'm a high school coach, I wanna make sure I'm sending my players To somewhere where they're going to play they're also going to be happy and that and that they're going to fit in right you look at the division one transfer portal it's like free agency (laughs) it's so many kids are transferring in and out and that's because they didn't find the right fit i used to say this all the time when i was recruiting is i want you to get it right your first time like make this your home so like we did the overnights like i always tell recruits do an overnight Talk to the players. Don't just talk to the play. Or the coaches talk to the players, right? So when I was at Simmons, I used to make sure every recruit had time with our players. It might not have been a full team, but they got to meet at least three players. And and I, what I did was I had the players walk them around campus. The reason for that was is because I knew that recruit and their parents might ask the players something they might not want to ask me, or they're afraid to ask me. So I and and it's and it's huge, but it also it also helps in the reverse, right? Because your player will come back to you like, hey, coach, I don't think she's the right fit. Okay. She was talking about, hey, she's just all she wants to party. She wants to do this. And that's not what you're looking for. So it goes hand to hand where you want your players' input, but obviously you don't want cause some players are like, hey, she's gonna take my spot or he's gonna take my spot. But if you have players that you trust, there they understand it's for the best of the program. And I think and there's tons of players like that. So you just have to find the right fit. Um and then you just have to know, you really have to get to know the player you're recruiting, right? And I think that's what made me so successful as a recruiter. I actually got to know them. Um, and I remember, like, I used to, like, one, I always, always ask, like, in my first recruiting call, I asked every question. Hey, what's your birthday? Hey, what's your favorite thing? What's your favorite show, right? And, and it was so funny. One of, the, one of the recruits said, my favorite show is The Walking Dead. And that was my favorite show at the time. So I was like, any, any Sunday, connection. <laughs> any, any Sunday, it was like, hey, hey, you, you saw what happened? You saw what happened? Yeah. And now we're building that connection. And I think uh, Coach Deidre, who was at CW Post, Long Island, they no longer exist anymore because they merged with the Division One. She said this to me. She said, you want your recruit to make it – you want them to make it hard to say no to you, not to the school, right? Because every recruit has a check, checklist, right? Do, do they have my major? Check. Can I afford the school? Check if it's not a scholarship, right? Um, how's the campus life? Do they have dorms? And all of the, like they're just checking off their box, right? So, and I have, I have beat out a lot of other coaches because of the connection I made with that recruit. Where I, like, I remember uh, I called a recruit and I was like, hey, I wonder why, why do you change your nail polish? And, and, this, was at, and um, this was at D.C. at Junior Nationals. I said, hey, I noticed you change your nail polish every game. Like every day, we're down there for three days. Every day I saw her, she had a different color nail polish. And I wrote that in my notes. And it's all those little things. If you really want to be a good recruiter, you have to notice all the little things. Build that relationship with them, their family, and whoever is important in making that connection to you and the school. And then sometimes, here's the other thing I would say. Sometimes you might not get them. I had Cassandra Staplefield, who's the seventh leading scorer for me when I coached at Simmons University, right? I didn't get it and I was recruiting her hard. And her and I remember her dad was like, her dad and mom was like, I, I really want her to go to go to you, Coach, but it's her ultimate decision. She ended up going to Endicott mm-hmm. University. She Endicott is a great program. Like they're always winning. And after her first year, she she called me. And I was at and I was in Cleveland. I was in Ohio at the time at the WBCA conference. Her mom said, Hey, Cassandra wants to call you. She's a little nervous. Do you mind? I said, I'll call her. And I said, hey, make sure she signed her Division III transfer release form, and then I can speak to her. She sent it to me. We had a great conversation. And I remember sometimes you might not get that recruit the first time go around, but you're going to get them the second time if they're not happy. And that's the biggest thing. Stay in contact. Don't poach them, but say, hey, Happy Thanksgiving, Happy New Year's. You know, just stay in contact to show that it's bigger than basketball. And I think every recruit and every player that coached for me, that played for me, understand that it's bigger than basketball.
0: That's a great point because I had uh, just going back to my player. And those are great points, Mike, because I'm picking things up as yeah, I, I've, I've gone through it this year. I, I'm going to be going through it also in the future with some of my kids. Uh, some of the some of the uh, programs that did recruit one of our players, they're still in contact with me. Mm-hmm. which is really good because you never know in the transfer portal. How I mean, she might, you know, UTC that you never know. Hopefully yeah. everything works out there but stay in contact with coaches because I'm in contact with other high school coaches yeah. who have good players, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's the biggest thing. You want to stay in contact with everybody. And I always say don't burn Randy Bridges, right? If you're a, like, and I've seen coaches get upset because they didn't get a recruit. And, you know, and, like, I have, I have recruits who text me, hey, coach, I'm not coming because it's, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, I say, hey, best of luck. You're going to be a star. And I, and here's, and at CCNY, I was recruiting a girl, Natasha, from Connecticut, right? Stud, like five, another, and so funny, because Coach Molly, Coach played for me, and now she was on my staff before. She was a Molly, and honestly, a better version of Molly, right, in the long run, right? And I didn't get her, not because of me, because she was like, she, she actually verbally committed to us. But our admission process at CCNY was struggling, and it was what well, was the end of February, and she still hasn't got accepted. She still didn't get accepted. And so she was like, Coach, I love you, but I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Albertus Magnus. First thing I said, hey, I fully understand. I love you. You're going to be a star. And what does her mother and father do? They reach out to me, say, thank you, Coach. Holidays, they say, hey, happy holidays. So you never know what's going to happen down the line, not that I'm going to poach her from Albertus Magnus. But you just never know, never burn any bridges as, an, as a coach, as a recruiter, or just even with parents because their player, their daughter, their son didn't come to you. It's all about just building connection because it's basketball is small in, a, in, a, in the scheme of things. Think about it, right? We're actually teaching life lessons. We're also teaching them how to be professionals in this world. So if we can help them, if we can get them on our roster and help them, that's great. If we don't, maybe we can do it through a different way. Just showing them how to actually treat people correctly, and I think that's the biggest thing. Mike, talk
0: to me about um, again recruiting and what ages do you begin looking? I mean, I know, I know the kids are being recruited in the 6th <laughs> I know that, and that, yeah. to me, that's ridiculous. But uh, I know how it's how it's done. What What do you advise on when do you start looking for potential players to kind of join your program? What advice? So,
1: for me, I think the biggest thing is uh, what's your needs right now, right? So my first, year, my first year at Simmons, I was only looking at seniors and juniors, right? Because I, I really needed to rebuild that program. By my third year, we had a lot of great players rec- recruited who were already verbally committed. We also had a good group of players coming who were already in the program developing. So I, then I was like, hey, I can look four years down the line not that see at division three you can't communicate them but those four-year kids down the line are at these recruiting events so let me watch them let me circle them let me get their contact information for them and just keep watching them figure out what's high school they go to right because maybe they go to a high school and you go watch them play and obviously you can't talk to them but you can watch them play they have might have a senior they might have a junior that you might like mm-hmm. but you really got that because you saw like hey there's a great girl. Like, get another great example. Kinesis has a stud, number 14 on Kinesis. She scored, I think, 3,500 points in high school. Wow. But she also started playing varsity at seventh grade. I helps. Yeah, I helps. <laughs> so, she's so a stud. And yeah. I know Kinesis coach was looking at her all through the process. He didn't talk to her until he was legally able to talk to her. But that just helps you out. Like, you get to see where these players are going. And then also, they get to see your face. You have your – like, if I have my St. Peter's gear on and I'm an assistant coach and I can recruit now and I'm at the game watching and stuff like that, but I'm looking at seniors and she's like, oh, St. Peter's is always there. Kinesis is always there. Rutgers-Newark is always there. FDU is always there. That just – those are, you know, behind images that they're going to recognize. So then now when you're legally and um, NCAA allows you to contact them, they're going to be like, oh, I know all about St. Peter's. I know about Rutgers-Newark. I know about Seton Hall because they seen you it's all about that you have to make yourself present that's a great
0: point on that I mean you and there's no excuses now right Michael because we got AAU tournaments I mean all over the well yeah. not not recently yeah so what are some of the changes though because I'm a high school coach if they're not coming to my gym and watching me practice I don't want my player to play for you yeah I mean is that I know it's old school but uh, I want them to have a connection with me and the high school yeah. coach because I think that's really valuable.
1: Well, I think, I think now, and you said it, right now it's kind of difficult with COVID. There are a lot, and I don't see too many teams having seasons, not too many open gyms and, and not a lot of stuff, right? So I think as a high school coach, you have to be creative, right? right. So one, um, one use the internet, right? Use social media, use the internet. Make sure every one of your players has a highlight tape. And once again, i cautious be very cautious of what songs you pit on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But make sure they all have that, right? But you wanna, if you're able to have an uh, open run at your school, do it virtually. I have gotten, when I was at CCNY, I had gotten so many emails from coaches and AAU programs saying, hey, we're gonna have five, five, um, five teams playing, and it's all gonna do virtually. We're gonna live stream it, and we'll send you each players uh, contact information, their GPA, SAT, and ACT, and then from there, that's kind of how you build that connection. Unfortunately, during the time of COVID, uh, but from there, you're absolutely right. Uh, you want you want these college coaches to get to know the head coach, the assistant coach. Like I always introduce myself to everybody on the staff, shake my hand, and it used to be so funny because sometimes I'll go and give my card to every assistant, head coach, assistant, and I remember one assistant was like, "I'm not the head coach." <laughs> But I'm like, hey, Michael Williams, here's my card, here's my card. And sure. it's very valuable that everybody on your roster from head to assistant knows who's recruiting that player. And then always oh, there. And I think that's very big. But I think if right now during COVID, you have to be creative in helping your kids get signed, especially with everything going on with Division One and scholarships and everybody getting an extra year um you also you know a lot of d2s and d3s are looking for kids and there are a lot of valuable things out there so the kids just have to find the right fit and just as a head coach at the high school level just be creative in helping your kids get recruited I think right now and I know at the division one it's kind of a dead period but look don't be afraid to look at d3 don't wait and I was telling her don't just wait for a division one call you need to have and my favorite thing and my players always got tired is I always say you have to have a plan d before a plan a go after your plan a with all your might, but understand you have every backup lined up. And I think that helps more than anything.
0: Yes. Excellent advice coach. I really appreciate that for us high school coaches. And I got coaches really from around the country that uh, listen to me. I don't know why, you know, I'm just an average, I'm just an average coach, but um, <laughs> um, Hey, my last question, cause I know you're a busy man and so forth. You're constantly recruiting, doing things. Um, Tell me about the relationship because a lot of times my, you know, the players get connected with an assistant coach, but are they really getting connected with a head coach? How can you bridge that gap? Because I see a lot. I love that assistant coach, Mm -hmm. but they don't talk much about the head coach. Am I just seeing things?
1: Well, I think, I think that comes down to the assistant, right? So when I was, so when I was an assistant at John Jay College and Fairleigh Dickinson, right? And I made those recruiting codes, right? You know, obviously you want to introduce yourself, hey, who I am, here's what I have done for players. But the assistant coach also has to kind of sell the head coach as well, right? And so like when I when think about FDU days, Mark was awesome, like Coach Mitchell was awesome. He was like, hey, it's your recruit, get them on campus, right? Get them on campus, I gave the tour myself. And then now, that, then after the tour, they have an hour with Coach Mitchell, an hour with him in his office, one-on-one. Sometimes out there, sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm going to go get something to eat. I'll come back before you guys finish, right? But now that, that recruit and that parent, or sometimes even the coaches, like I've seen high, high school coaches, AU coaches come on that tour. They have that one-on-one with the head coach, and that's really important, right? And then from there, once that head coach knows you're 100% serious about coming to – let's say at that time, Fairleigh Dickinson University, Mark Mitchell will go out to their games. But he's not like, you know what I mean? Since it's that assistant is recruit per se, he's letting that assistant be the lead. But once Mark knows that that assistant is, it, that player that the assistant is recruiting has applied to the school, is very serious about coming to the school, he used to go out and see them play. And that's the biggest thing. And I think when you see that, then you know, hey, everybody's on board with that player. It's not just the assistant. Or, you know, and maybe the head coach can't come out because, you know, it's in season, right? But the head, Mark Mitchell picked up phone calls. He said, hey, happy holidays. How's everything going? Like, he'll check in with the recruit. So even if the assistant is the main point of contact, you should always get some type of communication from the head coach whether that head coach is going to see your games, contacting you, just checking in on you, seeing what you're doing. Because when that head coach is invested in you that's also invested into the program, bigger things happen. And I think that's the biggest thing, but there's nothing wrong with the assistant coach being the point person.
0: Yeah, I think they have to, because they're yeah. dealing with so many different kids. The head coach has other, other responsibilities. Yeah. Um, but, uh, hey, Co- hey Mike, first of all, thank you again for coming on. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. You. you gave me some great insight into, number one, what you're doing for coaches. Your final words, what can you – tell us more about what you are doing with your coaches. How can – and maybe even a high school coach is interested in moving up to the next level. Can they contact you? What, how, what's the best way to contact you and uh, any advice you have for even a high school coach?
1: I, you can contact me. I'm always open to speaking with everybody, uh, coaching about careers, giving them advice. I think that's the biggest thing. That's always going to be free, the advice. Um, and if you want to join my agency, if you want me to represent you, it's all about right fit again, right? because I might not be, and I'm very transparent about this, I might not be the right fit for everybody. There's other agencies out here. There's some agents that only represent Power 5, D1 coaches. Then there's some agents who represent everybody. Some only represent JUCO. So there's a, a wide range. And for me, I'm very diverse, right? You have my JUCOs. You also have the Division 3s. You have the men, the women's side. And we're always continually growing. We're also, we are also opened up in, in representing uh, player development coaches, because that's a big thing. How can I help those coaches become successful in what they're doing, just developing players outside of being a team atmosphere? Um, so we're here to represent and help everybody, because I started WAA mainly to help other coaches get the success I have gotten or even better. I've been fortunate enough that I have gotten three head coaching jobs, and supposedly, whatever I said, that's rare, because I'm no Gino. I'm no, <laughs> I'm no big-time coach, but I've been fortunate enough to make the right connections and have the right support staff around me to be able to get three head coaching jobs. And now that I'm at St. Peter's as the director of player development and the coaching consultant, it's just a blessing. Um, but it's all about, you have to put the work in way before those jobs open. Like, don't just wait for that job to open. Like the small jobs, like the small schools that might not, big be, big, might not be big name, you might have a chance to do that. But if you have a dream job, you have to do the work ahead of time. Because Coach Cal is not going to always be at Kentucky. Coach K ain't going to always be at Duke. You have to put the work in ahead of time, and that's when things happen. You got to talk to people. You have to network. You have to communicate. And network, and and I'll give you this, don't network just for your advantage. Network to see how you can help somebody else. Offer the work they can't for free. And I guarantee you it's going to come back threefold for you. Telling That's you. great
0: advice. Yeah, I love that advice. I think you're you're right though. I think when you show that humility and you step outside and you go help others, it does come back to help you and mm-hmm. so forth. And I think in the coaching profession, is that probably one of the biggest problems you see with coaches trying to get that next job? Or
1: hey, man, just go, just go help a camp. Go go to a player development session. Absolutely. Uh, is that is that true? Absolutely. I, and I say, and I hate saying this, I've spoken to a lot of young coaches who's looking to get into this profession for some reason, maybe it's this generation. And I feel old saying that nobody wants to volunteer anymore.
0: It's a great point.
1: Nobody wants to volunteer. You have to be with, like I said, so when I got the opportunity at John Jay college to be an assistant, um, Diane Ramirez didn't have any money for me. She didn't. But she gave me an opportunity i made the best out of the opportunity and then she was like hey i got fifteen hundred dollars for you then i kept on making the best out of that opportunity that 1500 went into ten thousand dollars and then it came into a little bit more and then later on i got the fairly dickinson job and then the fairly dickinson job was more you have to be able to put the work in early not knowing the outcome and just put everything into it like hey i want to be an assistant coach even if i got to do it right mark mitchell and I and I would say you should get him on the store on your show, on your platform. He has sure. a great story. He actually quit his job, a full time job, to coach college basketball, and then now it paid off. He's a Division One head coach. I don't know how much he's making, but I know he's making a lot more than he was when he sure. worked at, and he quit his job. And I think he was working at a furniture store. Mark Mitchell yeah, quit, was full time at a furniture store, and he was like, "Hey, I want to be a college coach, and I want to put everything into it." So I'm going to figure out how I'm going to financially make this work. And then it paid off. And I think we all need to understand that you have to do that if you want to move up sometimes. Like if you want to go D1 and you don't know that coach, the coach might not give you a full-time job. But if you ask, hey, can I volunteer? He or she most likely is going to give you an opportunity. So, you know what I mean? Don't network for your benefit. Network to help somebody else and watch it come back for you. And I think that's the biggest thing I can leave everybody with. Help yeah, other people when it comes
0: back to you. Absolutely. And that, that says all about you have the grind, the passion to do whatever it takes, right? Because coaching is a grind, right? I mean, it's tough, it particularly at your level. High school is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But man, you guys got to really grind it out. What great advice you gave, coach. Uh, again, kind of refresh us on how to contact you and uh, anything else you want to leave us with. Oh,
1: I, I'm very open. If you want to contact me, feel free. My number is 917-690-2741. Once again, 917-690-2741. Um, shoot me a text, call me, let me know, or you can contact me at coachmwilliams2186, 2186, that's 2186, at gmail.com. That's like my open email address. Um, and then you can go on the thewilliamsadvancementagency.com and find other info about me, my other contact information. I'm willing to talk to everybody. Give great advice to everybody and help anybody who needs help. I want to see everybody get their dreams because I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to check off a lot of check check boxes of my dreams and my goals. So if I can help other people do that, you know, I mean, like I said, it's going to come back to me. So,
0: like, absolutely. I'm going to be sharing this to all the coaches. Uh, also, you're on uh, Twitter. Yes, I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram all that. I'll, I'll have all that.
1: I'm on every social media platform Ooh. other than other than uh, what's, What's the one everybody? TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> Come on. I'm not. A, I. You know what it is. You know what it is. So I can't dance. Like ah. I don't. Like I can do a two-step, but I'm not. Okay. I'm no Chris Brown. I'm no Michael Jackson. <laughs> so I'm not dancing.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, neither can I, coach. So, <laughs> but I'm an old guy. You're a young guy. Yeah. Um, so Michael, again, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing. I'm looking forward to talking to some of your clients.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I love what you do. Keep doing it. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it.
0: This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsner of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is is always hungry to learn. and You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast. Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work.